Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Presbyterian Church of Toms River. My name's Amanda Hubler, and I'm the director of Youth and Family Ministry. And so I just want to welcome you here to worship with us this morning. And what a morning it is to behold the glory of God in the people of God. So a special warm welcome to our students that are here for Disciples Communion. They're going to come and take communion for the first time. They're going to join us at the table and share in our fellowship. And so warm welcome to you guys and your families that came to set apart to mark this spiritual milestone in your journey as you follow Jesus. If you're visiting with us, I would encourage you to fill out a connection card. You can do that at pctr.org connect, and we'll just get some basic information from you so that we can follow up and help you to take your next step in your journey, whether that's this little or this big. Jesus meets us exactly where we're at. And so some of you maybe noticed when you came in that there are some lovely spring flowers. There's some hanging baskets of sorts, right? And then there's some little potted four-inch geranium plants that you can put in your garden or outside your door, whatever you'd like. So the hanging plants are $15 and the geraniums are 5 All proceeds will go to the youth ministry. And so we're going to commission our students this summer to go out. And so they're going to go to camp and on mission trips and have different events. We don't want to neglect meeting together. We want to continue to be really just the church here in this building, but also outside of this building, in the community, and in our country. And so all the proceeds will go to support that effort. And then I am so pleased to share with you all that church school will be relaunching next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Okay? Yes. Let's clap it up. Let's celebrate. So our leaders have been so thoughtful in this. Parents, you have contributed to the conversation. You sat in on that parent meeting. You filled out surveys. And so a big thank you. All that information that we gathered allowed us to move forward with confidence really in Christ to have church school again. And so that will be happening next Sunday, which also happens to be Mother's Day. So shout out to all the moms. Happy Mother's Day to you. And so it will be at 1030 because pre-COVID, that's when most of our little ones were here and a part of that experience and also just what you had shared in the survey, that's your preferred time. And so we'll start with 1030 and kind of roll things out and see where it goes from there. But just thank you for your patience and your grace throughout this whole process. Now let us stand as we prepare our hearts for worship. So good to be with you this morning as we come into God's presence together and bring our whole selves in worship for he alone is worth of all of our praise. So let's lift our voices and sing soul on fire together. I'm running to your heart. God, I'm burning for your heart. I'm burning for your heart. Did I ever soul on fire? Oh, I'm longing for your wings. I'm waiting for the day. Did I ever soul on fire? Did I ever soul on fire? 
Vaccinate
You may be seated. Our first scripture reading this morning comes to us from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. Lord God, thank you for that good news. Thank you for your goodness to us, your love, your mercy, your grace. Lord, there's never been anyone like you. There'll never be anyone like you. Thank you for loving us and sending your only son to call us your own. Let's sing God is so good together. No heart of death can separate Your steadfast love and penitentiary Your faithfulness and endless So full of grace and mercy We sing God is so by the past no more haunted by the past no more my innocence has been restored forgiveness flows from your face your kindness shows in all your ways Beating one night, you are worthy. You are 
Is rising, hope is rising like the sun. Hope's gone, the new has come. I fix my eyes on Christ alone. I like my sheep, I call the truth that has gathered us here. It's the truth that really animates every moment of our lives, that God is so good, that everything, life itself, is a gift from the goodness of God. The chance to gather together is a gift from the goodness of God. The chance to be reclaimed and forgiven is a gift of the goodness of God in giving His Son, Jesus Christ, Everything that we are is a response to that goodness of God. And when we come to the time of offering in our services each week, it's just that. It's a response to the goodness of God. He's already been good to us first. We're not trying to buy his goodness. We're responding. And we're saying thank you. We're saying we love you. We're saying here's a little bit back of what you have given to us. And we trust you that you're going to be good well into the future. And you know, so we give our offering each week, but that's just a small piece of this bigger picture of our response to the goodness of God. Paul in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We don't just give our money, we give our whole selves, we give our bodies. That is our act of worship day in and day out. And over the last weeks, and for some even longer because the pandemic delayed this process for some of our students, our folks that are coming to the communion table for the first time, but over these weeks, they have given themselves as an offering to God. 
They've made space in their lives and said, here I am. Teach me, show me, guide me. And so they have invested themselves as an offering to God to see what he would do. They offered the time to actually work through all four gospel accounts of the first communion or last supper to understand what was God up to, what was Jesus initiating when he gave us this sacrament. They offered the, the time and the conversation that they had with their families to understand it, to dive in more deeply. They offered the, the conversation with folks from our Children's Commission and some of our elders to ensure that, yes, they were ready to come to this table because they have experienced the goodness of God and they want to offer themselves back to Him. And so we're excited to welcome those who are coming to the table for the first time, and we just want to acknowledge what you have offered to God, and then we want to offer you back to Him. We want to pray over you. Every week when we receive our financial offerings, we pray a dedication. We, take, we pray God would take and use it for His good purposes, and we want to do the same as you offer yourselves, that God would take you and use you for His good purposes. And so if you were with us on that Disciples Communion journey, if you're coming to the table for the first time, would you go ahead and stand? We just want to see you where you are. We got one back here. We got one over here. We got one over here. We're so excited to have you come into the table. Thank you for offering yourselves to God. We're so excited to see what he's going to continue to do in your lives. And so will you join me in prayer? If you want, if you're next to him, you can put a hand on him. You can put your hand out toward them. If you're across the room, and we're just going to pray this prayer of dedication together. Heavenly Father, you are so good. There is no end to your goodness. Your goodness is when we wake up in the morning and we receive the gift of life. Your goodness is in every blessing that we experience throughout the day. Your goodness is in the, the most profound gift of Jesus Christ, your Son, who gave himself up so that we could be forgiven, we could have new life, so that we could be received back into a relationship with you, so that we could be included in this community of faith that is your church, this family. Lord God, we thank you for these students that offered themselves to you over these weeks. We're confident that you were working in that time, your good purposes. And we pray that this would not just be a, a box to check, a spiritual milestone that they'll look back in the rearview mirror and have a faint recollection, but that the truths that they have been exploring over these weeks would be just rooted deep down in their heart and their soul. That no matter what happens in life, come what may, even when things get tough, that they would have those truths right there to call upon and that by faith they would hold fast to you, remembering that if you gave your one and only son for them, then you will not withhold every good thing that they need throughout the course of their lives. God, will you take their lives and use them, work in them for your good and beautiful purposes. Take all of our lives. Take the offering that we give, which is our very selves, Will you use us that your glory, your honor would be made known in the, in the world and that the hope of Jesus Christ would go out from us like a light shining in the darkness. It's in the name of Jesus that we trust and that we pray. Amen.
Is in his hands. My life is in his hands. He is my confidence. He keeps his promises forever. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I'm one of the other pastors here at PCTR. And today we are continuing our sermon series that we've been in the last few weeks um, called Renewed Life After Disaster. And I'm guessing you can figure out why we are exploring this topic because it's been quite the year. 
and, um, and, but we're anticipating a time of renewal. And I think there is, I don't know if you're feeling it, I, I feel like there's this energy that's happening that we're looking forward and, and that we might finally be taking some first steps out of the pandemic. And we're connecting our experiences with what has happened in God's people and how they experienced renewal, especially as it appears in the book of Ezra. And Ezra, if you're not familiar with it, is a book that recalls how um, God's people had been in exile for a number of decades. They had been conquered, and uh, many of the people had been taken from Jerusalem from Israel and had been taken into an occupied land. And it had been many uh, decades, and now they are finally coming back. And we're looking at the experiences that they are happening. The first week of the series, Pastor Robbie talked about how um, difficult times come in our lives, and God uses them to shape us and to strengthen us and we, can, we should anticipate difficulties, um, but we should also be looking for how God is moving and acting in the midst of them and how we can respond to God's plan for renewal for us. Last week, he talked about um, the investment that we can make in what God is doing and how the people uh, coming back and in that time of renewal and Ezra invested significantly and deeply sacrificed to be able to be a part of what God was doing. And um, today we want to continue that look at what's going on. We're going to be looking at part of Ezra chapter 3, and there's really kind of the start of some celebration. And, you know, after this past year, I'm ready for a little celebration. It's, you know, Christmas wasn't quite what it usually is. Thanksgiving wasn't quite what it was. Um, Fourth of July, Mother's Day, Father's Day. In a lot of cases, we were not together with family. We're not together with friends. There was May 4th, right? I don't know how your celebration on May 4th was. It, I don't know if you're familiar with that. that. That's a Star Wars thing. May the 4th be with you. I don't know, maybe it's just me. Um, I'm a Gen Xer. I can't help it. Uh, so... I'm ready for some celebration, and I don't know if it is that we should just have a huge party where we celebrate it all with a leg of uh, turkey and a Christmas tree and a lightsaber or what, but we need to be celebrating what's going on, and God's people were feeling that and wanted to experience celebration, and they wanted to reconnect. They wanted to reconnect. I, I, um, as I mentioned, haven't been able to be with family in quite the same way. I, this morning, I actually heard of yet another case where um, someone had a grandchild born, and it had been several days, and they haven't been able to see it just because of the concerns about the protocols and the safety and all that kind of stuff. It's been a challenge to connect. I went more than a year without seeing or being in the presence with my mother and stepfather. I finally was able to see him over spring break but it's been a long time and I haven't been able to see my um, father and stepmother in a long time. I long to connect with others, with family, with friends. And I, th I think you know what I'm talking about, the desire to connect. And we see this also in Ezra chapter three. It kicks off, it mentions, you'll hear when I read the passage, that it says the seventh month. And in Old Testament times, that calendar, the seventh month, is really what would be our kind of September, October. They used a lunar calendar, but that was the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. I want to just give you a little bit of background on it. The Feast of Tabernacles, or tents, was 
uh, it came at that September, October time because that was when the final harvests had come in. They had all come in at that point. There's earlier harvests, and then there's like the last harvest. And it's appropriate to give thanksgiving to God for the harvest that year and what he's enabled it to happen. And so the Feast of Tabernacles reminds the people of that and is appropriate to give reverence and thanks to God. But not just that, it also is the celebration of when God uh, helped his people come out of Egypt, to come out of slavery, to be set free. And um, between Egypt and the Promised Land, they wandered in the wilderness for a number of years, and they lived in tents. And so what the people of Israel would do in the Promised Land later is they would, at this time, come together, come from all over the nation, and come to Jerusalem and build little tents, little huts, there in the temple courts, and they would stay there all week, and they would do a number of different things as they were celebrating this. And one of the things would be that the priests would take these jugs and go and get some water. They would leave the temple, go down to the bottom of the city, and there was a pool there, and they would collect the water. And as they would go up, they and everyone around them would be singing the Psalms of Ascent. They're part of our book of the Bible, the, the Psalms, but they're these beautiful hymns that celebrate what God has done and give praise to him as they go up into the temple at the top of the mountain. And they would come to the altar and they would pour the water out on the altar and wash it clean. And the water would go out. And it, the idea here is that it's connecting to the people's longing to be washed clean, to be made clean. And they are basically saying, God, we long to be washed clean by you. And we look forward to the day that we are washed clean. And so they would celebrate that in this Feast of Tabernacles. And then not just that, they would, on the last night, they would have these torches, some of them as high as 70 feet. And at the nighttime, they would light them up, and it would be this huge column of light. And it must have been really something huge, like a bonfire, but really vertical, because it recalled the people being uh, led in the wilderness by God, by a column of fire. And the, the longing there that they were connecting with is that the darkness would be dispelled out of our lives, that the darkness would go away, and that God's light and glory would surround them. And they were longing for God's glory and light to be in their lives. And so that's the Feast of Tabernacles that happens in the seventh month. And so these people who have come back from Babylon and are restarting this time of renewal, they're wanting to kick it off, and they kick it off at this time. So I think that sets up our passage. Let me go ahead and turn to it now. It is Ezra chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Listen for God's word for us today. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. Then Joshua, son of Jezodak, and his fellow priests, Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, and the associates began to build the altar of God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, in accordance with what is written in the law of, in the law of Moses, the man of God. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord. 
both the morning and evening sacrifices. Then, in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the feast or the festival of tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. After that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred festivals of the Lord, as well as those brought as freewill offerings to the Lord. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. This is God's word for us today. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word, how it reveals the longing of your people and the world, how it reveals that you have met those people in the midst of that. We ask that you would reveal yourself now, that your Holy Spirit would be here and open up your word to us, that we might come to know and love you more. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a couple uh, people there in that passage that I want to point out to you. Um, one is Joshua, um, and Joshua is in the priestly line, and his grandfather was the high priest. And when that invading army came and conquered Israel, conquered Jerusalem, his grandfather had been killed. Um, in the midst of it. We can see this in the history, but we, we know that Joshua is in that line, and he continues on that priestly uh, practice, and he is a part of the building of the altar. And as I had said, that city had been destroyed. The land had been conquered. They pulled down the temple. They pulled down the temple courts, and all that was left is remnants of the foundation. And he was guiding them to be able to rebuild on that same place. They hadn't even got to the, the temple yet. Um, that it would come later. We'll hear about that later. But they wanted to start with the altar and start connecting with God through those sacrifices. I love this point because it reminds us that we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have all the trappings, all the outside things to come to God, to be renewed and to connect with God. Um, we can connect with him with just reaching out and being willing to start that relationship before we even have it all together. And so we have Joshua. We have Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is kind of acting as a governor here. He's kind of leading, um, and he has an interesting He's an interesting character because his family tree goes back to King David, kind of the famous, uh, most well-liked king in Israel's history when they were all unified and they were all together. And David was known as a, a king, a man after God's own heart. And so Zerubbabel is part of that family line. In fact, he, is, he should be the leader in that. And he is acting as a governor here. He's the last one in King David's line that acts as a ruler over, over the land and the people um, during this time in the Old Testament times. His name shows up in the New Testament, in the very first chapter of the New Testament, in Jesus' family tree, Jesus' genealogy that goes to David and farther back. But you can see there in Matthew chapter 1 that Zerubbabel is there. And so we have this line there, and there's a straight line to Jesus 
And so I just wanted to point that out. It's worth noting, we don't always know all the family trees and everything, but Zerubbabel is part of it. And so they are doing this effort, and they're starting the altar. They don't have the temple yet. They want to connect with God. They're back. It's a time of renewal. They want to celebrate. But there's also tension. And our passage tells us that despite their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation. Despite their fear, there was fear. Who are they afraid of, the people that were around them? Well, getting into a little bit of the details of the original exile, not everyone was taken from there and taken to Babylon. The, the political leaders, the artisans, the business people, a lot of the young people were taken out. Um, in some sense, what a, a, another nation would like to take the best of one, of one of another nation and bring it and make it a part of their own. That was what they were doing, but that means not everyone went. And there were people left behind in this destroyed city with this destroyed temple in this broken land. And it was bad. It was bad. It was horrible. And you can, you can see some of it in Scripture, how bad it was. Um, and when these people come back and are all, are all enthused and they're excited and looking to reconnect with God, something's happened with the people that were left behind. And they are not on board with this renewal movement. And there's some tension there. But the people have come back. They are energized and longing for renewal and want to celebrate and connect with God. And they want to do it. They want to rebuild the altar. And you can't hide it. You can't hide what's going on. Um, it, it's on top of a hill there, and you can see it from all over. And so if you, make, if you build an altar and you start making sacrifices, burning things, it's going to stand out. And the, the people, the old guard in some sense, that had been through all these difficult things were not on board with it. And that sometimes happens in renewal movements, that when God is moving and acting in certain things, that there is, um, there is tension because there's people that want to hold it back and not allow it to happen. But they pushed through the fear. They pushed through the fear and started off with this festival. Uh, all the Jewish festivals, the idea was to remind them of what God had done in the past and the longing for what he'll do in the future and admitting where they are and helping to continue to remember where they are. The challenge is, as they restarted this, um, they really, they, they initiated the sacrificial system. And they were taking serious their sin because sacrifice deals with sin, but it also gives reverence to God. But as they were doing this, they were really taking one step forward, but then two steps back. Because restarting the sacrificial system really only gets them to where they were before. The challenge is to not just get to where they were before, but that's all it did. And restarting the sacrificial system, restarting those festivals reminds them that they have these longings that are still not met. The longings to be washed clean, the, the longings to have the darkness pushed away, and the light of God be around us, to be reconnected and to celebrate in the midst of that. It's sometimes like that even for us today. Have you ever felt that feeling? You, you, you might even actually be really involved reading your Bible, being really involved with church. Um, you might, the Holy Spirit might even be working through how you're serving in a variety of different ways, but you realize, you know what? 
I, I long for something more. I want more of God. How can I be washed clean? And how can I have his light and glory experience that in my life? And it's a challenge. And so like our situation, the people in Ezra were kind of stuck there. And you, as you read the passage, there really isn't a whole lot of joy. It's, pretty, it's almost kind of matter of fact. They built the altar. They were afraid of the other people, but they built it, and they did this sacrifice and this festival, and they did this, 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 this. There's not a whole lot of joy there. Not a whole lot of joy. And thank goodness this isn't the end of the story. Ezra 3 is not the end of the story. There's a whole bunch more to the Bible. And I want to skip 500 years ahead of where the people continually did these festivals and continually did these sacrifices. But 500 years later, in the time of Jesus, I want to turn to John chapter 7. And it's another Feast of Tabernacles that I was talking about and what we just read about. In this Feast of Tabernacles, um, the disciples wanted Jesus to go because they knew that the whole nation would be gathered. And they were so excited about Jesus. They're like, man, the things, and this is, this is kind of my paraphrase of it, but the things he is, you know, Jesus, that you're saying, the things that you are doing, the, the nation needs to know about this. The people need to know about this. You've got to go. But Jesus is, basically says, it's not my time yet. And he basically says, calm down. That's not how it's going to go. Um, and so they go ahead. Jesus comes along, and he kind of starts out more quietly. And he is just teaching in the courts during this week, during the Festival of Tabernacles, when they're living in tents, and, the, and um, there's the water going up and all of these different types of things. And in this time, he says this. On, in John chapter 7, verse 37 and following, he says this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Spirit, as a, I'm sorry, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wow. Jesus is right there. The water is flowing. It's probably his sandals are getting wet. His feet are there. And he is saying that your longings to be washed clean, to be set free, are met in me. And as I am poured out, as my blood is poured out, you will be washed clean in me. Amazing that this is happening, that this, he is um, saying this and he's interpreting it and he's letting them know that something has changed. There are 500 years of longing and desire and then even the years before the exile, all those years are met in him. This, there was a debate that happened. You can read it literally in chapter 7. You, some were like, is this the Messiah? Is this the one we've been longing for? And some were like, well, I'm not sure. And then there's the religious authorities, the old guard that have been there all along, and there's tension. There's tension there between them. And their anger starts to burn against Jesus. And as you continue to read, you will see that ang anger burn more and more, so much so that they get to the point where they say, we got to kill this guy. And that's exactly what they do. And Jesus ends up on a cross. And so 
but that, that comes later, and they're still at this festival. And the festival is continuing on. It's the last and great night. And remember what happens on the last and great night? They have the, the lights, the 70-foot um, kind of flames and, and all that kind of stuff. That is happening. And again, the longing is that the, the light of God would be in their lives, and the darkness would be pushed to the edge. And Jesus stands forward and says this in the midst of it. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Wow. Again, in Jesus, our hopes and desires are met in him, and he's letting them know. And all this sacrificial system that is attempt to reconnect and celebrate that one step forward and two steps back doesn't have to be like that anymore because it's actually met and made real in the person of Jesus. And so while Ezra chapter 3 is incomplete, it, it lets us know that that longing is there and that we have that hope. Uh, the people had that hope and we experience that hope and that desire. And it points ultimately to Jesus and what we can have in him. And it lets us know that through Jesus, we can realize that we are forgiven, that we're adopted, that we are blessed, that we are God's beloved, and that we are washed clean, and we get to experience his life, his light around us. Have you ever longed for that? Have you ever wanted that? We can find it in Jesus. And as we come here and approach Jesus. And we have some young people who are coming here today to take a step closer. It's, and that's always a challenge for us, is to take a step closer to God. And it's what we're doing here, that we would be able to experience not just unfulfilled longings and religious trappings or checking boxes or anything like that. We are taking a step closer to Jesus that we would find our heart's great home and experience the blessings that we have. And so we do that here today at this table. This is one of the many ways that we can do it. This isn't the only way, but Jesus gave us this that we would be able to take a step closer to him and that we would be able to experience this, that we would um, be able to connect in a renewed way and have a renewed relationship and that we would be able to celebrate what he has for us. And so as we come to this table, we want to come in a way that we are ready to receive what God has for us, but we got to be honest of where we're at and where we find ourselves. And so let us pray and admit that we need to be washed clean. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you longing longing all the years, all these years, trying different things, religious things, things far from you, but seemed right in our own eyes. And we have to admit that we haven't been satisfied and we really only got ourselves in more and more trouble and farther and farther from you. Lord, we need to be washed clean by you. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. And so in the silence of these moments, we are going to offer you our confession.
Lord, we do thank you for your forgiveness. That as you have promised, as far as the east is from the west, so far have you separated your, our transgressions from us. We are so thankful for what Jesus has done and how he has poured himself out for us. We pray all of this in his name. Amen. And so we come to this table. This is not my table. It's not Robbie's table. It's not PCTR's table. It's not a Presbyterian table even. It is the table of God where we come to reconnect, where we come to be renewed, and, and we come to celebrate. And as we come, we remember what Jesus has done and what he had said. The, this goes back to a Passover meal when he was with his disciples. The night before he would go to the cross, before he would pour himself out, he was with them, and they were concerned, but he was encouraging them and helping them to reconnect and, and providing something for us to reconnect with. They were having this meal, and he came to the bread, and he blessed the bread, and then he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, for those of you at home, I encourage you to take your cracker or bread or whatever you have and hold on to that. For those of you in the room, um, juice side down, bread side up, I encourage you to open up the little bread part. We are going to do this together as a sign that we are a church. We are united in Christ. So having that and remembering that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Let us partake. After they had the meal, he took the cup. And Jesus said, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, again, for those of you at home, I invite you to take whatever's common to your table. For the, us here in the room, um, you can take your little cup and open that up, and all of us can take that um, juice uh, independently as a sign of our own personal connection and relationship with Jesus. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for meeting us here. We are quiet, but we intend to celebrate. We celebrate what you have done for us. You have done so much. And we have so needed it. And you strengthen us. You connect with us. We are renewed by you. We ask that in that renewal, in that grace, in that forgiveness, we would be so strengthened that we would be able to share the good news and to serve those around us. Whether it's people in our family, people in our neighbors, our community, or the world, Lord, help us to bear the good news as your kingdom breaks in more and more. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, it is our prayer that you would use us to build your kingdom here on this earth and build your kingdom in our hearts. And let's stand together, friends, as we sing that together, as we sing Build Your Kingdom Here. Come 
celebration has begun. As you go out in the rest of your day and your week, push through the fear. Push into renewal, connecting with God, that you would find your heart's great desire in a, in a Christ who has come to pour himself out for us and to bring the glory of God for us. I leave you with his words where he says in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.